Several years ago when I was at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans, every time we would pass by a certain building on South Acadian, nope, that's where the diocese is, South Carrollton uh, Avenue where the seminary was, there was a lot of construction going on. They were renovating a building. We were excited to see what was going to happen, what was going to come up. And then after several months of waiting and watching, the sign finally comes up and we get all excited because we figured out that the best thing possible was actually happening. We got a brand new IHOP right down the road from the seminary. And so shortly after they opened, a classmate and I, can't, classes were canceled for some reason, which for those of you students, you, it's always a beautiful day when you get an email saying, I'm not coming to class today, just read the reading and we'll talk next week. And so we decided it's a feast day, whatever particular feast day it was, we're gonna go celebrate, we're gonna go to try the new IHOP. So we go and we're sitting there sipping our coffee and then there's this lovely family that comes in and the hostess is coming to seat them kind of right behind us in the booth next to us. And they had this adorable little girl who must have been two or three. And she's looking at us and she just keeps waving and smiling. And her dad said, well, who are you waving at? He turns around and he sees us and he, he sees us sitting there sipping coffee to what looks like priests, we're in collars. He looks at us, he turns to the hostess and thinking he whispered, said, on second thought, can we get a, a table on the other side of the restaurant? And then for the rest of the meal, my classmate and I just sat there going, did that actually just happen? Did we really just witness this? He saw collars and then got afraid and then wanted to sit elsewhere. We weren't even ordained at this point. We said, this is what we're getting into? Is this what awaits us? I'm not saying like, oh, I was a victim at some type of persecution, but it's very jolting. It's jarring in that moment simply to have somebody turn the other way and want to get as far away from you as possible. But I think about that every time I hear this parable about the weeds and the wheat. The weeds and the wheat. I wish I could say this would be a very sunshiny and bubbly homily, but unfortunately we face the reality of humanity today. The weeds and the wheat, Jesus says. The sower goes out and he sows good seed. There is good seed in the harvest, in the field. And there's good fruit to be born. But among the good wheat are weeds that the enemy comes and plants. Knowing, and the context of this is that this particular plant, this weed, if you will, is a certain plant that looks, as it's growing, just like wheat. But it's not wheat, it's actually poisonous because the root system is so ingrained around the roots of the wheat that if you pull it up, everything gets destroyed. Jesus says that. And so you really can't tell until it's time for the harvest. As time goes on, you can see the weed in the wheat. You can distinguish it. But in the beginning, it's thinking, what is all of this? That's more wheat than I planted. It's hard to tell at the beginning. So why do I say this? The church as she exists is perfect. The church, the institution, the bride of Christ, she is beautiful and she is perfect. Now the people in the church, that's a totally different story. Each of us comes with our own imperfections, our inconsistencies, our own sin. None of us are perfect. I think of that story from the IHOP and this parable of the wheat and the weeds because we can't just turn a blind eye to what has happened within the church in the past 25 years. If I say the word scandal, you all know exactly what I'm talking about, the priest scandal. We can't turn a blind eye to it. We can't just explain it away. There's no justification. There's no explanation. There's no excuse. But it's real. 
Hundreds of thousands of souls were harmed by the imperfection of priests, some priests. And we can turn to the Lord and say, didn't you call these men? Didn't you sow the good seed in the field? Why is this happening? An enemy has done this, he says. God, didn't you create Adam and Eve in perfection? Didn't you create them as a good? Didn't the garden, wasn't that created as good? Then why did they eat the forbidden fruit? Why is sin a thing? An enemy has done this. The enemy is the enemy. Satan, the devil, the accuser, the evil one, whatever you want to call him, he's the same person. It's easy to look at the hurt that the church has experienced on account of our own humanity and sinfulness. But it's important for us to draw near to the Lord. Because if we believe the truth of what Jesus said, then the church will still remain faithful. The church still has the good fruit to be born, even in human inconsistency, human brokenness, human sin, human pain. I will be the first to admit, I have been, I am now, and I will continue to be an imperfect priest. I've probably said stupid things in a homily before and not even realized that I've insulted somebody or offended them. I pray that that has never been the case. I am now and I will continue to be an imperfect pastor, but I urge you today to really consider the truth of Jesus' promise, that he is with us until the very end of time. That if he has sown good seed in the field, even if it's one good stalk of wheat among thousands and thousands of weeds, it is worth keeping the field. It is worth going after the fruit that that plant will bear. It's worth it. We can't just walk away. It, is, it boggles my mind as a priest when I hear someone's story, how they were wounded or harmed or hurt emotionally, God forbid, physically, mentally, by a priest or religious, some authority from the church. It is heart-wrenching and heartbreaking as a father, as a spiritual father, to hear that. But above the pain is the beauty, the absolute beauty and depth of the goodness of God who works in their lives when they tell me, yeah, that happened, but I still show up. I still come. I still pray. I still read the scriptures. I can receive the sacraments. Because even in the midst of severe pain and brokenness, the Lord is still good and he does still does desire to provide. St. Paul writes to the Romans today in our second reading, the Spirit makes up for our imperfection. The Spirit teaches us how to pray because left to our own, we don't know how to pray as we ought. We're doing our own thing as humans, exercising our free will, thinking, oh, I have the freedom to do what I want, and then we mess everything up, we sin, and the Spirit prays with groanings inexpressible, he says. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God himself, constantly coming after us, making up for our imperfection. Thanks be to God for that. Praying with us, praying for us, showing us the way. Thanks be to God for that. The Spirit who has been with the church from the very establishment, when Jesus said, this is my church, the church will always have the Spirit who remains with us even in imperfection. Thanks be to God for that. It's with hearts of gratitude that we should turn towards the Lord and recognize that, yes, people are imperfect. Priests included, bishops included. 
But there's something deeper. There's something more than what we would prefer to see. I've never been a bold person, but for some reason the Holy Spirit does His thing when we're at the pulpit, at the ambo preaching. So I'm going to call out some of those things that need to be done away with in today's world. If a priest or a bishop doesn't preach or do something or act in a way that you think is necessary, that's not their fault. Trust the Lord. Trust His church. The church moves at the pace that she needs to. The church needs to get with the times. No, the times need to get with the church because the church holds the truth. The Lord is here. The truth does not change based on our inability to stomach it. The truth does not change just because we would like to see this or that or hear this or that. I've had so many people over the past few years saying, why don't the bishops just excommunicate, insert whatever politician you want? Why don't they just withhold the Eucharist? Is it better to uproot the entire wheat stalk for the sake of the weeds? Do we trust in the Holy Spirit? Or will we continue to groan and to complain when Mass doesn't look like what we want it to look like? When the preaching doesn't sound like what we want it to sound like? When the decisions of the Pope, whatever cardinal, the bishop, the priest, the deacon, the religious, whoever, if their decisions aren't what we think they should be. Now, there's nothing wrong with having conversations saying, could you maybe explain a little bit more as to how we got to this point? Could I offer a little bit of feedback? Could we discuss this? There's nothing wrong with that, and I would encourage that, actually. But it takes us stepping back and saying, Lord, this is your church. From the outside, it looks absolutely like a disaster. People sin, priests have really destroyed lives in the past. This pope said this, this bishop did that. This religious order has done that. This church parish does this. Whatever it is, it looks like an absolute chaotic mess. But if we believe that the Lord has sown good seed in the field, then it is worth keeping the field. It is worth tending the fields. It is worth going to bear the good fruit that the Lord has started. And I don't mean to say that you know, everything's just a mess. We're just going to rely on the Lord. There is good. I promise you that there is good. If you've been harmed in some way by the church in the past, I am sorry about that. I apologize to you. It may not have been me. I hope it wasn't me. But on behalf of the church, I'm sorry about that. And I pray for your healing and your reconciliation. It's not your fault. Thank you for being here and not leaving. It is okay to see the imperfection so long as we glance at the problem and gaze upon the Savior because He is the one who heals. He's the one who makes this chaotic mess good and beautiful and fruitful because the harvest will come. The harvest will take place. Time will bring the end and there will be a judgment where the weeds and the wheat will be separated, but not yet, He says. Trust in Me. Trust in the sower, the good shepherd, if we draw near to him, no matter how chaotic things may feel, the truth is still the truth. Christ has not left his church. He has not abandoned her. He can never abandon her. And so wherever you come from, whatever walk of life, whatever imperfection, whatever woundedness, I'm glad that you are here. Tending the fields with us, harvesting the good fruit with us, recognizing that there is wheat and weeds both, 
because you have a place here in the vineyard, in the field. Jesus has been talking a lot of agrarian analogies lately. The wheat, the weeds, the field, the sower, the fertile soil. You have a place in that field. You are one of these harvesters. You're one of these people that go and sow the good seed. But we have to learn how to do that first from Christ and Christ alone. Because He is God. He is the Creator. He is the one who has redeemed us and now sends us out. It's okay to look at the imperfections as long as we don't let the imperfections skew how we trust in the Lord and how we listen to the Holy Spirit and how we take a step back, take a deep breath and realize that it is not all about us. Thank God it's not all about us. Could you imagine even more chaos? But with fidelity to the Lord, to what He has promised, what He has given us and provided us in the church, we draw near to Him. And we know that He does make all things new, even in the sin, even in the imperfection, even in everything that we hope to see, would like to see, but don't see. The Lord is the one. He has sown good seed in the good fertile soil. It's worth keeping the field. It's worth drawing near to the Holy Spirit to make up for our inconsistencies and our imperfection, to hear those groanings inexpressible so that maybe we can groan on behalf of the church as well, that groaning of prayer to intercede. Lord, I know things are difficult and it looks like a mess, but I still trust in you. I will stay. I will tend the field and I'll do my part to make sure that the weeds don't overtake the fruit that the wheat is not done away with or destroyed. The Lord entrusts that mission to each of us. Whether we like it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, we have a role. He's given it to us. And so we go out into the field with a good, healthy sense of, yeah, let's look at everything for what it is, but focus on the fruit. Focus on the wheat. Focus on the Lord. I'm in the homily with words that the bishop says to every priest after we vow our obedience to him, our respect and our obedience. He says it to the priest, but the same rings true for each of us. And this is a comfort, a consolation, but it's also a commissioning and sending forward. It's a task. When he looks at us, the Lord, when he looks at us, he says, may God who has already begun the good work in you Bring it to fruition. Bring it to fulfillment. May you see the good that the Lord works in your life through his church. You've been listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. If you would like to become a golden giver or learn more about what we do, please visit www.ctklsu.org.